you're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hi, guys. I'm so glad you could join me for this new EM mini as we talk about the power of the pause for every Enneagram type. I'm so excited for this episode with you because in my work with couples all through the week, I often have to incorporate pausing for myself, for them. And yes, I'm quite aware on this pod that sometimes we're running and we're in our Lorelai Gilmore motifs and we are just not pausing very much. But I hope you pause sometimes when you're listening. But in life, when we are actually doing relationship work, when we can really co-regulate well together, we are pausing. And when I say the power of the pause, I'm not actually referring to the actually true understanding that also there is actual power in pausing. We're not talking though right now about power stances. And if you're watching on YouTube, you know, you can kind of, oh, I can't leave my microphone, but basically (laughs) you're not going to see me go back on my chair and fold my arms or put my feet on my desk uh, or take a pause just to make sure that I have power. That's, you know, the kind of powerful pause that may get you a raise at work or have your employees kind of open mouth like, what do you need from me, madam or sir? But this isn't the kind of pause that we need in relationships. In fact, the quite opposite is true because we don't want our partners to feel like we are one-upping them or one-downing them in a subservient way. So first, I just want to educate you that when we are feeling like we're in our defense strategies and our nervous systems are off, we are going to get dysregulated and do one of these defense strategies, usually a fight, a flight, a freeze, a fawn, or something else per your Enneagram type, which we'll talk a little bit about. But we want to make sure that in those moments, we actually instead pause before we run off, before we say, I'm frozen and I can't move, before we yell. And this is hard to do because as you're probably thinking in your own mind right now, sometimes it happens before you even realize it, right? It's like your instincts take over. For instance, we are in the middle of a very light tropical storm, Idalia slash hurricane in my area. So I noticed yesterday my dog, Oreo, named by somebody besides me, but I think it's a cute name. He was so mopey and upset instinctually about this rain that he was hiding under a blanket and I knew that he couldn't help it. And I did ask him to go for a walk when I saw that later he was really, um, see how my dog controls me. I asked him for go to to go for a walk, but anyway, you know how it is. You pet owners or is it vice versa? Uh, he was just so scared. He was just petrified. And uh, he has his remedies. And yet he just knew there's a hurricane coming remedy or not. Like I can feel it in my bones. I don't want to go for a walk with you, woman. Stop bringing your type seven optimism my way. And, uh, you know, 
after a while, when he was ready, I did take him. But even then he was like, are, are we going to go back soon? Because I'm not sure what's happening out there with the weather system. Something's off. And that's exactly the same thing that our bodies are wired to do. Of course, we have much bigger frontal lobes. And I believe that Imago Dei is in us. So we have that imprint of virtue in us that we can rise above and courage, not in foolhardy courage, kind of where we just throw ourselves out recklessly. But, you know, more of that eudaimonia, if you're thinking back to Aristotelian virtue theory, you might even say, okay, remembering that golden mean of being inside of the virtue and not being over the top with it. So yes, we can do that. But again, we wouldn't want to just say, oh, it's a hurricane. I'm going to run out and save everyone on the street. We would want to use our prefrontal cortex and say, how can I help if it's bad, which ours isn't this bad right now, but sometimes when it is, we put shutters up or we leave the state and and we help others to do the same. And when you're having a blizzard in your state or when you're having a, uh, a fire or whatever, God forbid, an emergency, you try to look around and also help yourself at the same time. So keep in mind that when we're talking about this instinctual desire to run or to freeze. I get it so much, but I also want to encourage you. We are above the animals in that way that we can make some choices and how we make choices is we pause. Oftentimes with the pause, we take a deep breath and we say, okay, I can do this. I can make sure that I accomplish this conversation in a way that won't really trigger me as much about my past. But especially those of you like me who do have a lot of trauma from your past, you might say, it's a little bit harder for me sometimes. And I know Wes feels that way too, because when we were talking out some of my website concerns this week, he was circling that kitchen around and around and around. <laughs> I was just watching him and I'm like taking my deep breaths and watching him. And I'm like, you know what? This is working for us. So I think that we all have our own different ways. Some of you are on a walk and talk um, and we've been in the barrel down heat. So that's not always possible, but hey, AC inside fair game. So Think about this with me as we then go into the types of just what can you do when you need a really good conversation with your spouse, when you're like, I have to work something out with you because I have to make sure that we are aligned. And I don't want to uh, have such withdrawing stances together that we are going to be in that middle marriage clash of just worse and worse and worse that so many couples just go into that by the time when I used to work in the apartment industry, I just remember the old cantankerous couples who were like yelling and swearing about each other and just like 24 seven. And then of course they cared about each other. And, and you probably know people like this too, but you don't really want that. You're not like, you know what, goals. You're more like, oh, that's really tough. And like, I'm not talking about the sweet joking. I'm talking about when you're like, ow, like that's embarrassing. Like I feel so bad for them, kind of a mode. Like nobody wants that for their legacy. And yet everybody will come there if they don't do this intentional work. And when I say everybody, I mean most people, bell curve of people. This is what we see in marriage over generations and over your generational pattern as a long-term post-honeymoon marriage. So instead of just following that line, all of us can think of people who 
don't follow that line. And we would say, these are the best moral exemplars of marriage. And of course, we all want to be that. And I want everybody here and listening and watching to be that too. But in order to exude that, there has to be some stoicism of, hey, I was chosen for this. I can do this task. And it's a good thing. And I'm optimistic that I can get it done. Uh, Another part of it is to take these pauses, to be able to say, oh, my nervous system is soon going to override me and probably bring out some of my type tendencies if I don't look at it regularly. So you can do things preventatively for your trauma work and preemptively. You can do things during that moment. You can do things after. I hope you'll do a bit of all of it. I know that because we're getting all these crazy alarms on our phones, we were talking about this yesterday from the hurricane. My daughter, Hannah, was teaching her littles in the preschool class and they were like, Miss Hannah, why does that alarm keep going off? And she's like, oh, shoot, like early teacher, like all these alarms. And she was hearing people say in the school outside of the classroom, like evacuations. And so she's just like, you know what? We're just going to keep going. And she said her guitar teacher did the same thing for her, just kind of looked up and smiled and said, let's look out the window together. And, and these are some of the ways that when we're in a stormy moment together, metaphorically or in real life, we can say, you know, let's try to just keep moving and breathing and smiling with those mirror neurons, right? Like, let's let it fire. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. I did that this morning with my Pure Bar, and I really enjoyed the Define weightlifting class because everybody was in a great spirits. It was pre-storm, and everyone's like, this isn't going to be that bad in our area. And uh, we've all been getting the alerts and alarms, and everyone's out of gas around town. But you know what? Let's just get our workout on and have our mini hurricane party and feel strong. And I was just looking around the room of women, and I was like, man, these ladies are baddies. Like, everyone here is just getting it ready. Um, And that's sort of the preemptive ways that you can literally, they're reminding us in class, pause, take the deepest breath of the day. You know, these are things you can do in your car right now. Or if you're walking, you can just Ah, take a nice deep breath. You can go to a class like that. You can laugh. You can try to smile at your friend if you guys are in an awkward moment like Hannah was. And all of these different ways can help you to really help yourselves not to get dysregulated too soon before the actual moment of crisis. And sometimes just a nice sigh also works. And I often hear my clients doing that in sessions and I just stop them right there and I say, I love that you just sighed. That's a really good peace for your nervous system to just allow you to get a nice deep breath in, a nice deep breath out. So even while you're listening to me right now, go ahead and do that. And then know that during the crisis also, and I hope your fights at home don't become crises, but sometimes they do. And you can also breathe deeply in them. And remember that a lot of it is rooted in each of your attachment needs. In fact, most of it, you guys are not heroes and villains. It's just dealing with your attachment needs in different ways. Somebody's going to want to withdraw. Somebody's going to want to yell. And that's a pursuit. And even sometimes the withdrawal is a pursuit because the withdrawal is like, if I don't get out of here, I could say something I don't want to say or do something I don't want to do. So I want you also with your inner scripts to be mindful of looking at your conflict patterns in that way. Like, oh, my partner has a disorganized style or a withdrawing style or an anxious attachment style. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and allow myself to tell the narrative that they care about us. So that's why they're making this move. And I'm going to take my deep breaths and do my pausing so that I don't rush into this high defense strategy when I don't need it. We're not really that heightened. 
But here's the thing. And you remember this. I often quote Dr. Chrissy, one of my friends from Toronto, a brain researcher. And she's like, your body doesn't know the difference between an actual attack or just an emotional attack. So you have to flood yourself instead of with these high levels of cortisol, you have to flood yourself with breathing, with pausing, with grounding with healthy co-regulating for yourself and others. And so you might want to say, oh my gosh, let's look for a little way to laugh right now. Or, you know, let's allow ourselves to pause before we say something we don't mean. And briefly through the types, here's what pausing can do for you. If you're a one, pausing can help you not to say something that you can't take back. I'm thinking of Tom Hanks and you've got mail. When he puts his finger over Meg Ryan's mouth and says, shh, don't say anything. We're both going to regret forever. And that's, of course, a foreshadow that they're going to be together forever. Um, But that's important for ones to know because they can be so able to see the error and not the good. So just to pause means "Ah, I'm scanning myself for my overreactions internally. I'm maybe going to add a deep breath there and not say what I was going to say. And that's a good thing a lot of the time because you probably don't realize how often you already critique. And type twos, for you, the pausing often comes when somebody asks you to do something that might not be yours to do. And so pausing for you often looks like whether in an argument with your spouse or in the community, often just saying, hang on, I have to think about this. I have to wait. And I'm not sure yet because you really need to process your own feelings, not just intuit everybody else's. And if you're three, your three pause often looks like instead of running out, which people don't always know threes do this, but a lot of threes run out on a conflict and get back to work. um, You stay a little longer. You breathe, you pause, you don't say the harsh statement that often comes out of your mouth in the uh, hopes for some veracity, but instead you just stay and you listen and you pause. Now, if you're a four, pausing also looks like not rushing in to force somebody to be manipulated to give you attention, nor withdrawing. It means staying present right here, right now with your love and letting them see what you're really going through, letting them maybe even be a part of it to say, I'm hurting, I'm sad. Can we just be in that together for a moment versus being sad, but not telling and being stone facing or stone walling um, or um, coming into, like I said, a forced sort of everyone's going to feel the fullness of my rage. So come instead to a pause where you just invite into the softer emotions and let them feel that not just a melancholic state, but a feeling. If you're a five, the pause often looks like not going away but just sitting and breathing through the discomfort of presence and of embodiment when stress is high and when somebody you're with is potentially overwhelming you. And it might even be just saying nothing because people don't realize fives have that eight tendency too sometimes, and they could also blow up. So pausing for you as a five looks like just relaxing into this moment and saying, I'll probably have enough instead of I probably won't have enough. That's really big for you. If you're a six, you're in the reactivity triad. And pausing for you looks like not always asking the question of what if, or is this enough, or do I have permission, or is this okay? Instead, it says, I'm pausing in trust. I've got hands open to God, and I'm pausing to know, 
what will be, will be. And that's one of my favorite lines from Lord of the Rings. Uh, when the Lady Galadriel has asked, she's a wise wizard, guys. I don't know if you know the series or not. I know you've heard it bought it from me, but anyway, great line. I'm probably going to butcher it. But when she's asked, what would you really want? And she's like, I want that what will be, will be. I want what God wants. I want God's will instead of forcing my will on it. So that pause for a six looks like just resting in it. Now for a seven, a pause looks like being able to feel one's own emotions. It looks like being able to not be a jester all the time and allow yourself to be taken seriously. And there's so many wonderful, fun moments for your high anxiety. And like I said, these diatribes and Patricia makes coffee nervous sort of moments, but really to just be in the the emotion and allow yourself to be in that sober state. It's very peaceful and it feels really good. So just pausing so you're not running, pausing so you're breathing. That's what I want for you as a seven. And that's my work to do as well. Now, if you're an eight, your work to do is to slow down. Your pacing is so beautiful. You do so much more than I can imagine doing. And I love that about you. Uh, But sometimes with that pacing comes an inability to see the ways that others can't keep up. And then there comes a judgment from that space. So for you, a pause looks like this innocence of hmm, just wondering maybe if others are different from me, just wondering if I might even be able to slow down like they do sometimes. And if everything might be okay sometimes when I do that, because of course we know sometimes, once again, we have to find that golden mean. We can't always be, you know, stopped and pausing. Sometimes we do need that action. So just stopping to notice what is needed in the moment as an eight and looking around and scanning around at your family to see. And then nines, because we know that you're really gifted with action for you, a pause might look like, what action am I going to take versus the question of, should I take an action? And that's a great question for nines because often nines can even take actions that aren't really the ones that are needed at the moment. So for a nine, just pausing in the morning and saying, what are the most important actions I can take for the day? And perhaps even remembering the book, The Next Right Thing, or um, going ahead and looking at what's the one thing, and I read that book this New Year's, but knowing that this is the next thing or the one thing you need to do today and getting that done first, that can be such a gift, but it takes a pause. You can't just start and roll out or even roll away from yourself as a nine. You have to really be present, get embodied, get on a nice walk and ask yourself, wait a second, before I do anything else, what really needs to be done? And that'll help to steer you in the right direction. So I hope these have been helpful cues for you. They're all applicable to your relationship too, in the very most basic ways of remembering what I said about your attachment needs as a couple and as an individual. Pausing and breathing will help you to be able to know how to stay in the state of repair versus flooding and dysregulation. So I hope that you will employ this this week. I hope you will truly ask yourself about this, chat with your spouse about it, and hold each other to high levels of healthy accountability with it, not any shaming, just grace-filled growth. Okay. And you know what? I will talk to you soon about that more, check in with you about it, but more than that, I want to let you know that this week we also have the EM book out and the pre launch bonuses are already out for you. I was so excited to get to talk to my publisher about that and to be able to deliver those bonuses. And one of them is a chart, it's like a cheat sheet slash 
infographic where I have listed all of the types and the virtues and the vices and the fixations and the triads and and the way that I felt like these are the most important. And I really had to look to see like, what, what do I think really comes out in my couple's work and in my individual work? And so this is a freebie for you. You also get uh, the bedroom glow so that you can have intimacy, improvement and health. And then you also get a leader's guide that's 28 pages that I wrote so that you can walk through the book with your small group or your people or your friends or your therapy groups, uh, even just as a couple on a deeper dive level versus the three questions that are already at the end of each chapter. And plus, you also get the bonus from Christian audiobooks for as October 3rd rolls around, you actually get also to listen to the book on audio for free also. Um, So the others are already now. That one's for October 3rd. But Anyway, go to our website in the show notes and make sure you go to share with us your order number wherever you bought the book and or you can send us a picture of it too and we'll get those right out to you so that you have something right now to start doing, which I know I love. So anyway, I hope you have a great week and yes, we'll be in touch about the pauses also. Everything's in the show notes for you. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramInMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.